Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at either hsstaffing.com or fishhookbooks.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me this coming Wednesday at noon when my guest will be O.C. Isaac from VEDC Tri-State Business Fund. We will be discussing how to access capital to grow or start your business. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Ann Kamen from New York Grant Company. We will be discussing surfing the changing tide of commercial real estate. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. And welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Bruce. Happy almost 4th of July. Uh, And same to you. Uh, let's get started. For those, I think this is the ninth or tenth time you've been on the program. But for those who haven't had the pleasure, tell us about yourself and your company. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, you can't get rid of me, huh? I'm like, mom. <laughs> um, so I am the proud CEO and owner, founder of the New York Grants Company. We help our clients get grants and economic incentives, primarily from the government, federal, state, county, and local. And we, as we say, navigate the maze of economic incentive programs designed to stimulate growth and activity, uh, to create jobs and employment opportunities and uh, other uh, investment in plant and equipment throughout the tri-state area, throughout New York State, and uh, now more and more nationally so that businesses can grow their bottom lines. And we also help, of course, not-for-profits and more and more now entire communities. Our topic is surfing the changing tide of commercial real estate. Now, you came up with with it, and I'm curious, why did you want to be interviewed about commercial real estate? Well, you know, really that is the currency in which I function as an economic development person. Um, Whenever a company or an organization makes a real estate decision, or a community decides to embark on some sort of development project that has direct impact on, impacts on the economy and on the work that I do. So it's a subject that I'm you know, near and dear to, and I'm also active in the Real Estate Board of New York and other organizations that track these kinds of developments and trends and the marketplace in general because it's also a gauge on how we're doing economically, financially, socially, culturally, and so many other things. Um, You know, I'm also a fan of buildings and especially beautiful, historic, iconic buildings like the ones we have in New York City and Manhattan. Understood. So how is commercial real estate changing in Manhattan? Well, it's so funny because buildings just keep getting bigger. It's the strangest thing. No, there's a phenomenon. I don't know if you remember the movie Being John Malkovich, 
where he gets off on the eight and a half floor of some building somewhere. The floor was actually divided in half, but in it, it's. It, I'm always reminded of it because uh, in New York City there's something called uh, rentable and usable square feet in the in the jargon of real estate brokerage, where rentable is that for which they can, you know, charge you rent and you pay per square foot generally. And then usable is what you can actually use within a space. So if it has a bunch of columns or setbacks or uh, blockages, partitions in the middle of the space or somewhere in, in the interior, you could be paying rent for those blockages and not be usable square feet. So it's a, it's kind of a running situation that, funny enough, a lot of the same buildings have grown in square footages because even though they haven't actually physically grown in size, when people go in and start to remeasure, it's funny how the wa- walls seem to get wider and the usable <laughs> and, and the rentable square feet seem to, uh, especially the rentable seems to grow. Uh, anyway, but I, I think just it might it depend a, on who's doing the measuring. Well, yeah, truly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, right. The landlord, right? If the landlord, uh, or it's like uh, in that, that song, uh, "Master of the House" and "Les Misérables," where it's a, uh, where they're charging two uh, percent for looking in the mirror twice. Remember that line? I have actually never seen. Oh. Oh, I must. I know. Yeah, I, I know. I'll send it to you tonight. Yes. Thank you very much. Or you can rent it on Netflix. Yeah, there you go. It's great. There's a song called "Master of the House" where the innkeeper is very um, unscrupulous and charges, you know, extra for the mice, something for the lice, two percent for looking in the mirror twice. Um, it's anyway, funny. I walk by the theater pretty much every time I'm in the city, which is obviously. Uh, every week, usually multiple times. I would say, you know, I should really go, and I just never do. Yeah. Well, when you live, you know, you don't go and see. That's all. Uh, It'll I, be here you, forever. So. I will not talk to you again until I know you've seen it. And it's there's a movie on it, too, so you can rent the movie, too, just as easily. Well, we've got, um, I've got seven more questions to ask you. So sure. So you could give me the time out, um, uh, after we've finished, and then not talk to me anymore, I'd appreciate it. Okay, you bet. All right. Now, you mentioned that um, the buildings are getting larger. We're talking well, about I'm, commercial real estate here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was had being facetious, residential. No, 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 no. Um, uh, my point is that I've had people on talking about residential, and they now, and I forget the word, but mini apartments... Um, mm-hmm. which micro apartments. Mm-hmm. So do you think that if there's a trend in residential towards micro, there'd also be a trend eventually in commercial? Oh, most definitely. I mean, there's no question that the needs and the paradigm of the modern commercial office and even retail situation have shifted remarkably, and there's much more sort of plug-and-play going on with the office space. I mean, look at the phenomenon of WeWork and, and I was uh, just gonna ask. shared shared spaces. This is mm-hmm. a, a huge um, 
part of our economy now in New York City, particularly where, where getting back to the first point, every square inch, every square foot is subject to rent, and therefore we need to economize. Plus, people are much more mobile, and we don't need uh, big offices anymore. I mean, they're nice, don't get me wrong, but the idea of having a luxurious corner office with a sofa and a conference table and that even for major partners at big firms is that's a that's a bygone day those are bygone days now we have much more shared space uh, much more communal space and um flexible space where people can come and go if they're coming into New York from the London office of a certain, you know, financial institution, they can set up shop basically and operate and then and then leave and then that space can be used by somebody else. So it's much more efficient and much more compact. It's actually a really good thing in terms of the uh the planet because it's far more energy efficient and sustainable in that mode than having lots and lots of wasted space being heated or air conditioning, air conditioned or light lit. And, uh, and, and it's actually causing a big, well, something of a revolution in commercial real estate, especially in the office arena, because everybody does realize that the, the needs have changed and that, adaptation must occur. Either you adapt or you're going to be left behind. And it also means that a lot of uh, bigger institutions are effectively downsizing their own office needs. So we've got, let's put the shared office space aside, the traditional commercial real estate, the changes that are being made, if I'm hearing you correctly, are because of money because of the opportunities that tech provides, being able to telecommute. Sure. And um, probably if these companies are downsizing, they still have the space, they still have the room, no doubt they're going to be offering office space to small businesses. They might. I mean, there's uh, there's certainly plenty of sublet space on the market. Um but that's not really often ideal for a major institution because if it's, for example, a bank, you don't just open up your doors to any old business to set up, you know, camp inside your place of business, and um, that's is, you know, not the norm. Quite, but I, but was maybe, say, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of lawyers, accountants, professional. Oh yeah. Offices. Oh sure, sure. That's. That's very common because again, every every square inch is a, a precious thing, particularly in a high office, uh, high rent jurisdiction such as Manhattan. And um, also, you know, I think a driver is is just lifestyle changes, life in general. We have become more of a 24/7 type of society with a lot more mobility, and that's probably a good thing. And and a lot of people are choosing that as a as a way of living and working and balancing life's demands. So that means that you don't need to take up as much space in a traditional office building as you might have otherwise. And 
therefore it's uh, a lot more economical and a lot more compact. So it's economy of scale, it's the environment. Any other positives? Positives? I would well, think again, probably I think from the perspective of employees. Sure. I mean, I think the life t- lifestyle flexibility that this offers is very attractive for a lot of people. Um, you know, we have more and more people working in a in a kind of a freelance um, environment where they don't need to be checking in at 9 and leaving at 5. There's much more flexibility in work hours at a lot of places. Um, and that is also attractive to, I think, particularly people of um, the generation younger than I, but also me too. <laughs> Any other positives you can think of? Well, let's see. Puts money in the bank, right? You're saving money. Yeah. You're you're more energy efficient, so you're saving the planet. Uh, and you've got a f- more flexible, more adaptable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What about productivity? Do you think do you think productivity goes up? Well, I think in general, the fact that we are in a twenty four seven kind of work situation, particularly in New York City. My God, we're all working twenty four seven. Even when we're sleeping, we're our we're our uh-huh. REM sleep is probably processing all the work things that we've done during the day. Um, I think productivity, you know, just by virtue of everything that's gone on in our in the last several decades, is up because we're much more mobile, much more adaptable, much more technologically tuned in, and that gives us the ability to, like it or not, um, work as many hours as there are days and, you know, hours in the day. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Ann Kamen from New York Grant Company. We are discussing surfing the changing tide of commercial real estate. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. And please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. And we've discussed the positives. What are the negatives of these changes? Well, I think if you're a building owner, um, it puts a lot of pressure on an owner to adapt. And if you're in an old, if you own an older building, um, or you're managing an older building, that puts uh, a strain because you've got to perhaps upgrade systems, divide up spaces in ways that are new and untried and, and different. Uh, maybe the floor plates aren't set up in such a way that you can divide up spaces as readily as if you're, say, at the New World Trade Center in a brand new type of building. Um, I mean, the other negatives are, regardless of this this sort of downsizing or being becoming more compact and efficient, rents have gone sky high. I mean, they're crazy in uh, New York City right now. I was just looking at the market reports from the leading, you know, broker, two of the leading brokerage firms, C.B. Richard Ellis and Cushman and & Wakefield. And according to, you know, Cushman, you've got average 
per square foot rents, that's per year in Manhattan for an office of $72.40 or $59 a square foot per year in lower Manhattan. Um, Ten years ago when I rented space in, office space in lower Manhattan in a very nice building, it was $27 a square foot. And so you can see that it is easily doubled and I'm not in you know, the fanciest, schmanciest building in, in lower Manhattan, but you just see that really across the board, rents are um, very high. Hence, the even more, uh, it becomes even more imperative to economize. How should business owners address these changes and what you can foresee coming about in the next few years? How do they prepare? Sure. So I think for any business looking for office or store space or warehouse space, manufacturing space, should be looking early and looking often at it, at the options. It takes a good year to prepare. Um, and even if you have a small office, it's very discombobulating to move. You've got to set up new phone lines, new computer lines, new systems, shift everybody over, get get your clients and customers acclimated to the fact that you're you're moving or that you've moved. All that requires preparation. Also, you want to have as much leverage in the marketplace as possible as a tenant and especially as a small business, you don't have a lot of leverage to start with. So, you need to use time as your ally. Because the more options that you can find, the more you know about the marketplace and you can and that you study it ahead of time, the more able you are to negotiate a better deal and of course, hand in hand with that is to have a really really good real estate broker i mean even even if you know a lot about real estate, you need to have a good broker because the brokers know what the last deals were in in the area, um, you know, what the comparables are, what the landlord concessions or what the landlord is able to give as a uh, as an incentive to a tenant, you know, can be, and what the going rents are in a given building, um, whether they're high or low or in, the, in between, and can really tell you and guide you a lot more effectively than if you're just doing stuff on your own. Plus, in New York City, um, commercial space is uh, the, the, the brokerage fees are paid by the landlord. The tenant doesn't pay. The landlord pays. That's, that's not true for residential property, but it is true for commercial. Sorry if my dog is barking in the back. That's all right. That's the beauty of a live interview. Now, um, as all guests on this show are aware, if you are being interviewed, you have to sign a talent release form. You are a an attorney by trade. Do we need to get a paw print on the release form from your doctor? <laughs> um, I'll I'll have to consult. Okay. Get back to me. Let me know. In the meantime, there, I think there, I think I have a canine clause in my own contract. <laughs> now we're both chamber members, and 
as you know and I know, probably the major issue of advocacy that the Chamber is dealing with today is repeal of the commercial rent tax. Ah. Talk to us about that. Okay, so what fun we have. In New York City, there is a, a rather unusual kind of use tax called the commercial rent tax. It only applies in Manhattan, south of 96th Street, if a tenant is paying more than $250,000 a year in rent. And what it is is a tax just on the privilege of using space. It doesn't have to do with the real estate taxes of the building. It is not an obligation of the landlord. It is simply a use tax that must be paid by the user, i.e. the tenant, for the privilege of renting space in Manhattan. Now, it was, um, it was eliminated in the boroughs outside of Manhattan and, and north of 96th Street uh, quite a few years ago. But it still exists and is quite a moneymaker for the city, close to a billion dollars a year, I believe, is, is the revenue stream from commercial rent tax in Manhattan. Um, and then it was chopped away, chopped down a bit in lower Manhattan in the financial district and then later on uh, south of Canal Street back after um, 9-11. And, and so now in lower Manhattan you can get a reduction of the tax for five years or in some cases it's been wiped out, such as at the World Trade Center. There's no commercial rent tax there or for retail south of um, Murray Street in the financial district. So it's effectively 3.9% of gross annual rent per year that you have to pay as a tax. And believe me, the Department of Finance is vigilant about it. If you don't pay, oops, I forgot to pay, oops, I forgot to file, they will come after you. And the interest and the penalties are gruesome. They can easily double the arrears in no time flat. And so a lot of people are, A, unaware that this tax even exists because they figure that it must be something that the landlord has to take care of, but that's not true. And the city doesn't notify any tenant of this tax. You're just expected to know that it exists. Um, and God forbid you don't know and you don't pay, it can come back to haunt you because years after uh, the city can come after you to say, you forgot, you you didn't pay this, and therefore you owe, owe, owe. And so there's a big uh, movement in the chamber, I know, to try to eliminate the tax or uh, ameliorate it to to uh, increase the rent that you must pay to even trigger the tax, therefore um, eliminating a lot of small, small businesses from having the burden of paying the tax. Because, of course, as rents have gone up, the threshold for paying the tax has effectively lowered. So there are a lot more people paying more than $250,000 in rent nowadays than, say, 10 years ago that are subject to this tax. Um, and it is, uh, it is a burden on small business, no doubt. So that's the, that's the rub. And I've, had, I've represented many clients who have to defend themselves before the Department of Finance when they get notice notices that they're in arrears and 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 then you have to negotiate a uh, a resolution if that's possible 
What I don't understand is why this isn't a class action lawsuit, because it's totally arbitrary. There's supposed to be equal protection, and yet, you know, if you don't live in this red zone, let's call it, then uh, you don't have to pay this tax. So why hasn't this gone to court? Well, I, I think that it's, uh, I think it's in the in the realm of an of an ordinance that a city can pass a statute a body body of statutes and it's in the city charter these these exist so people it is on the books the tax is is there um described in in you know detail how it works who it applies to who it doesn't apply to where where you, when you get an exemption the timing the amount the formulas all that is is on the books so it's not like there isn't um due process of law and like income tax, um, government doesn't have to advise you. You're expected to know the law. You know, uh, what's the ignorantium non excusa? Ignorance of the law is no excuse, as they say. So you can't use that as a uh, as a way out to say, oh, I didn't know. You're expected to know. And so I just don't see any grounds for class action if it were being administered in such a way that was really askew or somehow corrupt then I would then I would say sure but I haven't seen that what I've seen more more and more is that um tenants who were unaware are becoming aware because the department of finance is getting better at its enforcement and getting more rigorous with its enforcement of this particular tax and also it's applied evenly to the extent you are um liable to pay. Area. Yeah. yeah. Now commercial rent tax aside, what impact do you believe commercial real estate in Manhattan has on residential real estate? On the oh, residential they, real estate market. Sure. I mean I think they go hand in hand. Uh it's yang and yang because um you if if uh there's a huge demand for residential real estate then often you see buildings converted to that use that's what happened in my neighborhood in lower manhattan um and then yeah sorry and then okay. uh, to the extent you have an upswing in the use of commercial space or in the demand of commercial space, well, then that could make it more attractive to build residential units because you want to accommodate the people that are coming into those offices. Um, another phenomenon, you know, that's happening in New York that's happened j gradually over these last, uh, I would say, 20, 25 years is that you're seeing more uh, walk-to-work type of situations where people are walking or biking or are wanting to commute less. And uh, so that means that a, a really good mixed-use neighborhood is just that, where there's a mix of residential and retail and commercial spaces plus public spaces, open green spaces, so that you have um, a lifestyle that is well-rounded and where there's convenience and amenities 
and a very hospitable situation. So the and and according to all statistics, you know, the the demand for residential space is crazy crazy and we're still way underbuilt. We we could be building at the same pace now and we're still not keeping up with the because population has increased. We have 375,000 more residents in New York City over the last 5 years. Can you imagine? And that's I don't see that stopping. We've got um, 4.3 million employees. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to thank you. I want to thank Fluffy. (laughs) And uh, before I let you go, tell our listeners what's the best way to get in touch. Sure. Thanks, Bruce, and sorry for the interruptions there. No, not at all. Hey, I'm I'm practicing the, the the lifestyle because I'm talking to you from my home office out on Long Island today. It's a beautiful day out here. So, but I've got my whole computer set up, my uh, my phone, my fax, my scanner, my iPad. Oh my God, I can't get away from it. Um, no, but it's truly beautiful. Um, and the best way to reach me is at Ann, A-N-N, at nygrants.com. Well, I thank you. I'm looking forward to our next show. Okay. And as always, a special thank you to our listeners. And I am certain Ann joins me in... Oh, Ann, you got a second because we have a caller. I just noticed. Oh, terrific. Thank you. one second. Hang on. Caller, do you have a question? No, I guess not. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, thank you. And as I was saying, I'm sure everyone um, that that you joined me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week and a very happy Fourth of July. Absolutely. Thank you, Bruce.